Hi guys, thank you for coming to the Real Life um, seminar stream. Um, this, yeah, we'll be running this throughout the whole week. Hope you guys are all doing very well. Um, yeah, and excited to get stuck into some of the topics that we're going to talk about. Real life is just going to really be kind of like nitty gritty kind of topics that we go through in real life. And we just want to be as open and honest about things that we'll face and that you might be going through or things that you've experienced in your life before. Um, today we'll be speaking on the topic of racism because racism unfortunately still happens whether overtly or covertly um, and some of us probably experienced it or probably aware of some of the things that are happening um, and as Christians we want to um, you know, stand up for equality and hope that justice actually prevails. Um, and today we have the amazing Freya coming to speak to us um, about racism. So, yeah, I'm going to invite her to come now and just ask her a few questions. And then once I've answered those questions, we'll get stuck in. Okay, so Freya. I only met Freya this morning, actually, and she's lovely. For, for Rhea. For Rhea. Yeah, yeah. And I still can't pronounce her name. <laughs> um, so, Freya. Um, yeah, so if you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to do that in the talk. Oh. So, maybe I'll... That's fine. I can ask you a little bit about New Day. Yeah, so, let's do that. How many times have you been to New Day? This is my... So, I've ca I came once as a youth leader. Um, I came another time... You guys might have been here. We did a choir, a big choir, a couple of years back, and I led that choir. And, yeah, it's my third time then. Yeah, third mm. time. Yep. And is there anything that you're looking forward to this year? So I, and I was, I'll mention this, I grew up going to a, a camp a lot smaller than this in the church that I was a part of. And um, when I was 11, I went to this camp for the first time met with Jesus when I was 13 I was filled with the Holy Spirit and I have my four nieces and nephews here um, and they are all 13 years old and I'm really looking forward to seeing what they experience and just hearing from them how they experience this and really praying that they meet with God. Nice and are they on your, where your, your campsite or like different churches? Uh, yes, so they're near my, my campsite. Oh, here. nice. Yeah. That's so nice. Yeah, no, you're looking for... Well, literally, when I hear it's for people's first times coming to New Day, it's amazing to, oh, to hear. Oh, lovely, more people. Hi, guys. Do you want to come in a little bit more? Move down, move down. Move into the middle. A bit more. <laughs> Perfect. Great. Cool. Well, now I'm going to... Um, leave her to get on with the talk. We want this to be quite an um, interactive session. Um, so, yeah, get your thinking caps on. Okay. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Hi. Oh, wow. That's not going to work for me, guys. I'm so sorry. If I say something to you, you have to say something back. Good morning, everybody. How did everyone sleep? The first night is always a myth for me. Like, it's just... I couldn't sleep the first night. I was here, it was horrible. Um, do love camping though, so yeah, that's great. I'm really, really happy to be here and actually really, really happy that I'm here talking to you guys. So what I would like for us to do before we get started, can we all just stand up on our feet? Did someone sigh? Did someone go, oh, please, come on. Right, can we stand up on our feet? Can we take a little shuffle this way? Because there's lots of, we're heavy on that side. If we shuffle down this way... Don't sit down once you shuffle. Just shuffle, and then I'll tell. Yeah, and I feel like more people are coming. So if we shuffle, shuffle, get close, 
get friendly. We're going to be talking to one another. We're going to be getting real. So you might as well smell each other. That's fine. Okay, right. So um, like I said, we will be having some conversation. You guys will be having conversation. I don't want this all to be just me. Um, And so I will be breaking you off um, into groups in a minute. Um, And when I want your attention, maybe you can tell by the way that I'm talking to you. I'm actually a teacher, so I have ways. Yeah, go on. Better, better than that. Come on. We educate you guys. Come on. Right. So um, when I want your attention, I will do a clapping thing. I'm a primary school teacher. It's not, it's, it's a bit better than what I would do in year one. So, so what I'll do is I will do this as my call. Don't, don't respond. Just, just listen, okay? So I'll do this. And your response will be, yeah, shall we try it? Perfect. Lovely. We don't even need to rehearse it again. So, all right. Um, I want you to ask the person around you, someone around you, what their name is. Have a quick chat. Off you go. Perfect. It's like you know what to do. It's amazing. All right. Before you sit down, um, I am going to do something that is really, really important. I would like you to get into groups of four, possibly five. Now, hold on. They cannot be with people that you know. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Are you forcing me to interact with people? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I am. Okay, please. All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some time to do that. Um, so you have to be in groups of four, no more than five, yeah? And stewards, can you help them to count if they're not sure about that? And then um, once you get into your group, so I'm only going to give you three minutes to do this, I want you to ask, everybody in the group needs to go around, you have to answer two questions. What's your name? Where are you from? Off you go. Amazing. Thanks, guys. Right. Great. Okay, so a bit about me. As you've all heard, my name is Faria. It's like Maria, but with an F. Can we all say it? Faria. Hi, my name is Faria. Um, and I've already told you that I am a primary... Well, I was trained to be a primary school teacher. I've moved into secondary SEN. However, this year, I've stopped that. And I will become a full-time uh, minister at my church. So I'm going to be a trainee pastor. Give me a woo! Yes, it's amazing. God is good. I actually go to the same church as Joe Mack over there. He goes to the lesser of one of our sites. I'm joking. It's all, all great. All great. Um, yeah, a bit more about me. I am 34. You can say, oh, my gosh, no. A bit more enthusiastically. All right. Never. Oh, my days. No. Yeah, I'm 34. Um, I love Jesus. I, as I said, I started to go, there's lots of space over here. If you move down, shimmy down, lots of space. Um, I went to camp when I was really, really young. You'll hear a bit more about my backstory. That's a part of my talk. But at camp, I absolutely fell in love with Jesus. And um, yeah, it completely changed everything for me. Who here has that as a story as of theirs? Like you fell in love with Jesus and it changed everything. Don't be ashamed. It's great. Um, yeah, I am married recently. I'm also creating a human being inside of me. For those of you who are confused, it means that I'm pregnant. Yeah, that's happening. And that's a weird, very weird thing. Um, but God is good. All right. So I asked you um, to ask, ask your group um, name, 
and where are they from? Do we have anybody who answered outside of the UK? Outside of the UK, anyone? From somewhere outside of the UK, yes? Morocco, Morocco nice. Uh, other hands? Yeah? Ukraine? Nice. Yeah, can we actually, sorry guys, we're having more people, so everyone stand up. Oh, we hate standing. All right, and move down this way, please. Move down this way, please. Move down, move down, move down. If you are just coming in, your task is to get into groups of four, five maximum of people you do not know, okay? It's imperative that you're with people you do not know, okay? Keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. This middle lot, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. So if you've just come in, you need to get into a group of people you don't know, okay? I'm going to keep going because I know we are um, precious for time. All right, so I asked you to ask those two questions, and um, there's a reason for that. So I'm a teacher, but I spent a little bit of time um, uh, supply teaching, and you know, like, you guys are brutal to supply teachers. Thankfully, I was in primary school, so it was a little bit better. Um, and I, I would always say to, I would come into a class, and obviously they don't know you, so they're like, oh, yes, we could take the mic. And I would just get them on my side by saying, you can ask me anything, ask me any questions. And 95% of the time, children would put their hand up and say, Miss, where are you from? And I would say, oh, what do you mean? And they'll go, there'll be a mixture of things. They're like, oh, where are you from? Like, where, where, where do you live? And I'll say, oh, I live in Catford, South East London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or they might say, well, what, like, where are you from? Where are you from? And they might, I, I wear Africa-shaped earrings a lot. And they're like, because you got that one. And, but your name is Fernandez. And they're trying to figure it out. And, and so I'll say this. Okay, I am going to answer that by, first of all, I'm going to ask you a question. Are you from where you were born? Or are you from where your parents were born or your grandparents were born? And the, it would usually be 50-50. Some people would say, oh, you're from where you're born. Some people would be like, oh, no, it's where your family are from. And then I would say, okay, well, for me, I would say that I'm from three different places. My identity lies in three different places. I would say I'm West African. I would say that I'm Caribbean, uh, specifically Jamaican. Okay, thanks. And uh, I, I would say that I'm British, yeah? So those are my three identities that I would give them. And then I would ask them, why? Why did I give those three answers as my identities? And for me, all of them are as important as the others. So I'm going to ask you. I want you to discuss in your people you don't know groups. Um, why? Why are those my three identities? You have one minute. Off you go. All right, anyone think that they know? Anyone want to give any reasoning for my identities, yeah? Okay, that was a really, really good guess, yeah? And that's what most young people say, yeah? Any others? Any others? All right, all right, so I'm going to tell you what I tell them. I, um, I am from those three places. I am an ancestor of enslaved people, right? So we all know about the transatlantic slave trade. Give me a nod if that's... Shake your head if you don't know what that was. All right. So transatlantic slave trade was when people from Europe in the 1500s came down to West Africa. They traded with the African people there. And what they traded were people. Yeah. And my ancestors would have been from somewhere, either Ghana or Nigeria. Actually, my brother did one of those DNA tests and they said that we're 
Benin, from Benin or something like that. Um, so West Africa, right? And then they moved over to uh, either South America. Lots of people don't know that enslaved people went, a lot of them, most of them went to South America, North America and the Caribbean, which is where my ancestors would have lived for, I don't know how, how many years, um, as enslaved people, okay? And then uh, that happened for, again, don't know how many years. We probably know over 100 years, definitely several generations. And then um, something happened in Europe in around late 30s and early 40s. What was it? What was happening in Europe? Yeah, shout it out. World War II happened, right? So World War II happened. After the war ended, Britain in particular needed help to rebuild their infrastructure, right? And so they went to the Caribbean and other uh, colonies, British colonies, and they said, hey, guys, we need some help. We need some help with our roads. We need some help with our um, our NHS. We need some help with our, our travel system. Can you guys please come on over and help? And there was a big uh, boat. There were several boats, but there was a big movement beginning with W. What's it called? Shout it out, yeah? Windrush, yep. Windrush. And my grandparents were a part of that generation that migrated from Jamaica specifically, but there were loads of people from different Caribbean islands and came to the UK, right? Everyone following me? Yeah? Do we know this story? Yeah, okay, great. So they, they came to the UK. The plan was five years. Five years, then we're going home, right? That's the idea, like five years then we're out of here, it's too cold, these people don't like us, we're going. Um, but they didn't, they stayed, for whatever reason. Um, my mum was born here, my dad's parents came here and then sent for him, when, so he came when he was 11. My mum and my dad met, they had me and my brothers, we set up camp, and so we're here. Who here, that's their story, that's how they've become. So if you're from the Caribbean, that's you, yeah? If your parents or your grandparents are from the Caribbean, that's you. And that's how you have those three identities. And that, for me, is a really important thing that I don't just say, oh, I'm British, because I'm, I'm not just British. I am also Jamaican. And, and for me, identifying with my West African roots is also really, really important. Okay. Um, why does that even matter, though? Why does that matter? Why is that a thing? Why do we need to bring it up? Why do we need to talk about it? Well, first of all, history is really important. Can you guys hear me? Is the wind blowing in the mic? No? Okay. History is really important. Individual history is really important. Knowing your story, knowing others' story, knowing the context for other people's story is imperative. It's how we move forward. It's what we use to make decisions about ourselves and about how we interact with people. And it is really, really important. Okay, um, I'm going to give you a little bit of talking time, literally two minutes. I want you to, in your groups of people that you don't know, um, discuss my story. Maybe you want to recap it. Maybe you want to think, oh, I didn't really make those links. I didn't really know about that. But you've got some time to just say anything. That's my story. This is what I think about it. Or I have another story about how my parents came to be here or how we came to be here. You've got two minutes. Off you go. All right. Right. So I'm going to tell you a little bit more about my story. Stories are really important, as I've just said, because we identify with them. That's why Jesus used them. Stories are really, really good ways of connecting truth 
And so people can be like, oh, yeah, I get that. So, um, again, born and raised in the UK, southeast London, for anyone, anyone? No? Thanks, guys. Yep, yep, yep. Don't do gunshots. Um, just southeast London, that's where I was born and raised. Uh, and like I said, my, my dad and my mum were both, um, so I'm second generation Caribbean or Jamaican specifically. And my dad was a Rasta. Does anyone know what a, a Rasta is? Anyone? So Bob Marley is like the most famous Rasta, I guess. He was a Rasta and he was very prevalent in um, the Rasta community. Um, so my, when my dad came here, both my mum and my dad experienced like very extreme overt racism like my dad would tell me that he would have to run from the skinheads after school every day my mom told me that she would have to run but then one day she decided not to and just fight them and um so this was the stories that they told that they told us as we were growing up and my dad became a raster and the raster community are a people of specifically Jamaican heritage. They have long hair. People know they smoke weed. They do. But they also do lots of other positive things. And that was to um, kind of reinforce black pride, particularly in the 80s, 70s and 80s in Britain, where there was a lot of overt racism. There were people being told to go home. There were really horrible things going on. And they were saying no. Be proud to be who you are. Be proud of your hair. Be proud of your skin. Be proud of our heritage. And that's what I grew up like. I didn't think that it was a bad thing to be black, particularly at a younger age. As a, I got older and I was like, oh, I wish my hair could do that. Or it got there. But my foundations were extremely proud of who I was and, who, and my heritage, right? And then... Um, However, there were these things that I could see my, my dad was angry. He was, yeah, he was angry. And actually, anger isn't a bad thing. Jesus got angry. Like, I think anger towards injustice and hurt is fine. But what I could start to see in him was not just anger, it was bitterness. And he would say things like swooping statements, like, we can't trust these people, talking about white people and we can't trust them they're bad like look at what they've done historically and even now and that was born out of his experience and so obviously as children you you take that and it was it became not necessarily my lived experience but my psychological okay right can't trust these people bad don't don't do don't mean good for me no, can't trust them. When I was 11, I went to a youth camp and met with the Lord. It was amazing. I started to go to church after that. My church was a very small Caribbean church, and um, they would sing choruses, and it was great. And I met with Jesus there, and it was amazing, and I loved it. And they had churches from all around the UK, and we would meet together. We were all Caribbean, and we all did the same thing. We all looked the same, and it was fantastic. And one year, I got baptized when I was 16, and one year the church decided that we were all going to go to a global day of prayer in London. And I went and I was shocked, absolutely shocked. It was in a massive arena, thousands of people. And I was shocked because there were Indian people there, there were Bangladeshi people there, there were Chinese people there. But the most shocking thing for me, was that there were thousands and thousands and thousands of white people there. And I didn't know that white people love Jesus. I'm just saying. I was 16. I was like, whoa, 
what are they doing here? <laughs> like, why are they here? And my friend was like, because they love Jesus too. And I was like, really? <laughs> like, oh my gosh. I was completely mind blown. Like, I didn't know that it was a thing because in my experience, I grew up in what I call my black box. The Rasta house, they were all black people. We're black and we're proud. My family were all black people, black and proud. My church were all black people, black and proud. In school, obviously, I had white friends and, and they were there, but none of them went to church. So I just thought, this is for us. It's not really for them. They don't really do that stuff. But they did. I was like, wow, they're here. And they're singing the same songs that I know, slightly differently. It's a bit different, but same songs. So it was, it was an absolutely mind-blowing experience for me. And that was... I think the moment that God started to challenge me on my perceptions of, first of all, who he is and who his church, who his people are. And that's a really, really, really important step in, um, in faith, in understanding who God is, but also in breaking down what we'll see in scripture is the dividing wall of hostility, yeah, understanding that there is difference within the kingdom of God, racially, ethnically, theologically, even. There is difference. And if he is God, I remember him speaking to me in that moment. He's like, Faria, if I am God, if I am God of all things, of this entire universe, I surely can't just be like what I am to you in your very tiny, small Caribbean church. What about all the other people in the world? And I was like, oh, I forgot about them. Thought you just loved us in our very tiny Caribbean church. And it, it can't be like that, right? So that was the start of my journey of God really starting to untangle me from some of the things that I'd been taught. Um, about race specifically and about people and actually about who God loves, okay? Right, um, another one-minute break. I want you to talk in your groups. Has there any been, ever been a time that you were shocked or alarmed by someone that was also a believer, that God loves, whether it be because they they looked a certain way or they behaved a certain way, that you were just shocked. You were like, oh, I didn't really think or I didn't know that you went to church or something like that. Off you go. One minute. Um, I don't know all your individual stories. Another one, apart from the white people, were people with tattoos. In my church, mad. If you came in with a tattoo, that was it. We needed the holy water, needed to be baptised again. When I saw Christians with tattoos, I said, oh my gosh, no, no. But he loves you. He loves you. If you've got a tattoo, there's, there's grace. I'm joking. He loves it. Okay. So, yeah, we, we often, the reason I asked you to ask that question and what I believe God was doing with me is that we often take what we see, take as what we see as normal and everything else needs to line up to that, right? So my normal is this, black people go to church, this is what we do. No one else does. And, or, or if they do, if it's not quite the same as mine, then it's not normal. Yeah, and we, we I mean, we do that as human beings. It's quite a, a human trait. Like, this is what we do when we step outside of that. That's like, oh, that's different. It's not normal. It's similar to, so there's people here with loads of different accents, right? And often, I'm a Londoner, so I know, I know we're really bad at doing this. We go, oh, you've got such a cool accent. 
And people are like, yeah, you've got an accent too. It's not just you. What you do isn't the norm. Yeah, you are not the norm, particularly for the whole world. You're not the norm. There is always going to be difference. You are go- if you put yourself in another context, another setting, you are going to be different. And it's really important that we understand that from now. I am not the norm. I might be the norm in my setting, but somewhere else, I'm not. Yeah, and that's okay. Yeah, different is okay. Different actually is what God wanted. Right, I'm going to say a term here. Put your hand up if you've heard of it before. Amago Day. Amago Day? Hands up nice and tall, nice and tall. Amago Day, heard of it? Young lady, what does it mean? Do you know? Sorry, yeah? The image of God, yeah? So can we all say that? Amago Day. It's Latin and it means the image of God. Amago Day, can you say it? And, and it, means that it's a, it means that we have the Imago Dei. You know, in the word it says that he created them. It says, let us make man in our image, in God's image, in the image of the Trinity. Let us make man. So everybody in this tent, at least, has the image of God. We bear the image of God. But it doesn't just stop there. Everyone on the campsite also bears the image of God. It doesn't just stop there. You know where this is going. Everyone in the world bears the image of God. Even the people you don't like. Even the people that do really horrible things. Even the people that are like, yeah, but they're so different. Or they have this way of doing things. They bear the image of God. They have the Imago Dei. Why is this so important? I know we're talking about race, but... It feels like we're just doing this big picture thing. Why is that so important? It is essential that as believers in particular, that we keep that at the forefront of our minds. We all, every human being in this world, bears the image of God. Every single one of us. Whether we sinned yesterday, whether we are perpetual sinners, Hitler himself yeah, I use that as an extreme. But he did. He's a human being. He bears the image of God. And because of that, it means that we have a responsibility to treat one another with dignity, even if we're different. Yeah. Racism thrives in a place where even if that, that reality or that truth has been diluted just very slightly, Racism and sexism and prejudice and all sorts of discrimination thrives in that place, yeah? So, for example, where um, ethnic uh, battles and people fighting each other because they're different is not new. That's a, that's a thing. That happens. And that's happened all throughout society. Um, uh, one of the massive issues that happened with the racism that we talk about or that we think about, and the majority of it, when we because of the way it's been so simplified, is that we think about black and white. Am I right? Or, yeah, that's how we think about it. One of the reasons for that is because during the transatlantic slave trade, remember I said I'm, anse- I'm an ancestor of enslaved people, right? Um, the, the, the lie that was sown was that these are not people. They're like people, a little bit similar, Or they're just cattle, actually. They're they're, they're animals. So we can treat them like we want to. 
or we can treat them as we would cattle or anything else. Um, they're not human beings. They don't bear the image of God. And therefore, we can do what we want. And you can see this all throughout history. It doesn't, didn't just happen in slavery. You saw, saw it with um, World War II and the, and the Jews. You see it in, even in fighting with, uh, with ethnic groups. The moment that we as human beings want to downtread or um, make someone less than, we dilute the truth that we are all made in the image of God. And we elevate ourselves and our godlikeness is more, is better than their godlikeness. And even that slight dilution gives way to injustice, to discrimination, to racism. Okay? It is imperative. Sometimes, even as believers, we're like, yeah, we're all made in the image of God. And that's for the Christians. It's actually not even true. It's actually for, for the Muslims. It's for the Buddhists. It's for people who are atheists. They are made in the image of God. And therefore, when you're thinking and speaking about them, you have to have a reverence because this is God's child. We can't just flippantly um, speak about people. And that's really important, particularly in a polarized society that we live in now where... Things are just being said all the time, really malicious words. We have to remember that all human beings are made in the image of God, even Trump. Okay, even Trump. God bless him. Um, Okay, so that again, it's one of the scriptural things that we need to keep in mind. Amargo Day, all human beings are made in the image of God. The second um, piece of scripture that we're going to look at, uh, let me grab my Bible. And um, this is where we're going to land because we really want some times for discussion and questions that people may have is this. And this is out of Ephesians um, 2. And I'll, I'll give you a bit of a, a backstory. So we know that in the Bible, there were the, in the Old Testament, the Israelites were God's chosen people and he, um, he raised them up to be like a holy nation. And he said to Abraham, who's the father of the Jews, I will, you all nations will be blessed by you. All nations. The Jews were like the ones, but then all nations. He also had this promise that all nations will be blessed by you. Okay? And then Jesus came. He died on the cross. He died for our salvation. He died for um, our sins. He died for our healing. But he also died for reconciliation. He also died for reconciliation between the Jews and the Gentiles. Is there any Jewish people here? Any? Any Jewish people? Any? Oh, hi. Nice. Thanks for being with us. If uh, our sister here is the only Jewish descendant, descendant of Jews here, all the rest of us are Gentiles. Yeah? So we had to be reconciled to God in a way that all people had to be reconciled to God. But we had that dividing wall between Jews and Gentiles had to be reconciled. And this is what Jesus, oh, what Paul talks about, about Jesus doing that, okay? So in the beginning of this verse, oh, this chapter, rather, he talks about our reconciliation to God, about what Jesus did to, do, to break the dividing wall between us and God. And then, and that's the thing that we really focus on a lot, that like there's a, a big focus on, us being reunited to God, yeah? And that is really, 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 really important, obviously. It then goes on to say this. For he himself is our peace, 
who has made the two groups one, the two groups being the Jews and the Gentiles, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. What created this dividing wall, this barrier? Does anyone know? There were quite a few things. Obviously, the Jews were the chosen people, but there were other things as well. Anything, anyone? Anyone know any of the things that created the, the difference, should we say? The food they ate, do you know, Jews and Gentiles ate very different foods. The God that they worshipped, the cultural activities that they did, these were all things that divided them. We are different from you. And here, Paul is saying that Jesus came to start to break that down, to destroy the barrier, the dividing walls of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. So going to the cross Jesus is saying, I am putting this thing to death. I am killing this hostility between these two people groups. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Um, Obviously, that was written to Jews and Gentiles. But theologically, that's for everybody. That's for black and white. That's for men and women. That's for uh, rich and poor. Jesus doesn't want there to be division for us. And actually he died so that we can be united in one spirit. Doesn't mean that we should all be the same. It also talks, the scripture also talks about the manifold wisdom of God being made known through all people that that word manifold meaning multi-dimensional multi-colored multi uh just th- there's more it's not just one thing it can't just be one thing that's that's not what he wants he wants us to be different he wants us to have un- um, unique aspects of who we are in our culture and culture is beautiful in the eyes of the lord but he also wants us to be unified and he wants us to do the work of removing the barriers. I'm going to end with this last part of my story. So I, I told you I grew up as a Rasta, started to go to church, all black church, and then realized that white people love Jesus, and it was mind blowing. And then, um, and then I decided that my church was really small, and I was getting a bit frustrated. So I decided I was going to go to a ministry school in America. There was loads of white people there, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a shock to the system. So I'm going to go to a church um, locally to me where I heard there were some white people, so I'm going to go there for a bit and acclimatize myself to worshipping with white people so it's not a shock when I moved to America. And I ended up going to King's Church London. Any King's Church London people anywhere? Woo-woo! And uh, we are uh, an amazing multi-ethnic church. Um, we have people... The mix, actually, is, is, is interesting. If you look at it, we have, say, uh, I think 30% white British uh, my husband can nod at me. <laughs> uh, we've got um, 30% black British, 30% black Caribbean. Uh, something like that. Help me. 
Yeah, it's true, isn't it? And there's a mixture of Black Caribbean, Black African, Black British, and White British, and a few others, like my husband. He's Indian. He's not in any of those. Um, and so there was a mixture of people. And, and I remember being like, okay, God, I have to put down what I think is my normal in order to thrive and in order to be in this space. I actually also have to put down some of the hurts and the pain that I was taught by my dad and actually experienced for myself. I have to be able to put that down in order to step into a place where people are different. And it's not been easy. Like, it's, it's definitely not easy. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. So my, my senior pastor is a white British man. And um, I remember being at the church for about two years and, like, just wrestling. Like, I can hear my father's voice being like, don't trust them, don't trust them. I'm like, okay. And just wrestling. And God was like, if you're going to stay here, you need to accept this man as your pastor. He has to be someone that you are going to see as someone whose God has called to shepherd you. And you can't do that whilst also being like, but I don't like, you can't do that. You have to be able to let that down. So I wrote him a letter. I wrote him a letter saying, I was taught not to trust people like you, but I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay and I'm going to push through that because I know that there is something glorious. I actually know that Jesus came to break down the dividing wall. And he graciously came to me after that. He gave me a hug and he was like, oh, thank you, you know. And we've been on a journey. We've been on a journey as a church. We've been on a journey of what does that look like? It is not always comfortable. It is sometimes it rubs up against something that is innate in us that says we are the normal. We are the standard. And we have to be able to, if we want to do that, if we think that, um, the div- breaking down the dividing wall of hostility between races or ethnic groups is important. We have to do that. We have to do that work. Who here thinks it's important to do that? I would even go as far as to say it's essential. It's actually what Christ did on the cross. It's a part of his death on the cross to do that. All right, so um, we are going to move on into our groups and what I would like you to do we're going to have a bit of a QA and a um, time and actually I didn't do this at the beginning oftentimes when talking about racism people get really really like oh I don't know am I going to say the wrong thing like and it, it's become a, a buzzword to be or, or like a, a, a thing in our mind that we can't say we can't say things because it might be wrong and we might offend people. There is grace in this room. There is grace for us to really think about and to ask questions that this is family. Yeah, if we are, if we are saying that we are of one body, of one Christ, this is a place to ask questions, to really think things through. So I'm going to give you three minutes. First of all, in your groups, I want you to um, talk about anything that I've said, anything. You can say, oh yeah, I relate to that or I didn't know that or... This is my experience. And um, then I want you to think about some really, some questions that you can ask me and Joe about this topic going forward. And we will try our best to help you. Off you go. I just went to call you back and Freya told me off. I was like, no, no, I've got, no, no, no. I've got the call. Yeah, I've got the call. So uh, firstly, can we just thank Freya um, for just sharing part of of her story and her journey, um, which, is, which is always helpful. 
It's such a short amount of time, you know, in a seminar space to be able to address some of these issues, but we're kind of just hoping to, that this is a start of a conversation for many of you. One of the things I did want to recommend in the bookshop, uh, there's a great book written by some of you, you know, Ben Lindsay, he's been a New Day for a long time. Uh, he wrote a book called We Need to Talk About Race, uh, which is a, uh, is a great book. So if you think, oh, I'd love to go away and read something, can recommend that you can pick it up in the bookshop. That's a good investment. Uh, but I'd also encourage you to uh, keep talking these things out in your youth groups with your youth leaders. Let it not be a taboo topic. But before we do that, we've got 10, 15 minutes or so. I thought it would be great just to take some questions. And so uh, the reason we did that is I'm hoping there'll be some questions from the floor. And so if you've got a question, we probably won't be able to answer all of them. So just get your hand up nice and quick and shout it out. And then... Uh, Faria will probably be happy to answer it, and, and, and I might chip in as well. So who's going to go first? Who's stepping up first with a question? I'm looking around. So the, say that again. The question is, how should we respond to racism? So if, you've, so if someone's been racist, if you've... Yeah, how should you respond to racism? That is an interesting question. Thank you for your question. Um, racism for me... So there's, there's overt racism. That means calling someone a name or being... Like, it's very clear. Like, what my dad experienced. Very clear. Very, very clear. And obviously, if you see that, call the police. Do something. Like, and it, it still happens. Like, it, it does happen. Ra- overt racism like that does still happen. And I think if you are in a situation where you, you're witness to that, stand with people. Um, uh let people know that it's not okay, that you are not okay with the words that are being spoken. Um, oftentimes you might be in a group and someone says something and it's like everyone's laughing, it's just banter. And you're like, eh, no, I don't think that's banter. Like, that's, not, that's actually not cool. So I would say things like that. The, the thing for me that is the more um, important thing or the thing that is, is more important for me is how we respond to systemic racism. And systemic meaning how it is racism is in, is, uh, in our, the structure of our education or of our, of our uh, healthcare and things like that. And that's a, a much more challenging thing to think about and to do. I would say that for young people... The first step is, again, God made everybody in his own image and therefore everybody deserves dignity. And secondly, um, identifying it. If you are in a system and you're like, oh, actually, if these policies are in place, this means that this person doesn't get to express themselves or feels like they are less than, then I, I, I want to say something about that and I want to do something about that. So that's um, how I would go about it. And actually keep having these discussions, keep talking to people, making sure that you know I am not the normal. There is other people with other ways of living and doing and that's a really good way to respond. I think. Oh, that's good for you. Also, I think, yeah, I'll come to that question next. I just think that if you hear racism in any form, so like on the campsite or in your church... Uh, Bill O'Free said, you have to have courage and boldness to be like, I ain't going along with that joke. I've been in scenarios where in my old workplace, one of my colleagues started made a comment to me about um, uh, a black person. He said, yeah, he's quite a typical black person. That's what he said to me, talking about one of their characteristics. And it's very easy in that sort of moment to just go like, to to just know that that's not right, but almost just keep silent, like, "Mm," kind of. But you have to say, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? 
you, know, you can't say that. And, you, and that takes courage and takes boldness. But the Bible talks about, as Christians, we're those who are to stand up against injustice. You know, and, and that takes courage and boldness. And you've got to be prepared to do that. You've got to be prepared to put yourself in an awkward situation and say, no, no, what you said there was wrong. That wasn't funny at all. And you shouldn't say that. And sometimes you might lose a friend by saying that. Sometimes you might be in an uncomfortable situation. But you've got to have courage and boldness to be able to do it. You know, and, and so I'd encourage you to do that, to be bold. And that when you see injustice, speak up. Don't just kind of go into your shell, but say something. So I'd add that as well. You had a question, young man, yeah. yeah. Nice and loud. It's a great question. That is, yeah. So the question um, from our, our brother here was that I grew up going to a Caribbean church and he grew up going to a Chinese church. And does he, do I think that um, mono-ethnic or churches that only have one culture um, are important? I do. I do think that it is important that we have churches where people can feel a sense of community and... Oh, all churches should be that, but a, a sense of familiarity. I do. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think it's unbiblical even. Um, I think that... It, the, the, I guess the issue that can be is that, again, we think my church, my Chinese church, is the normal. They're okay, but they're not quite normal. And, and so we have to just be open to, okay, this is one expression of worship and living out um, our, our worship to God. It's not the only one, yeah? And even in my, my culture, I need to know that. I need to be aware of that. And that, that happens by exposing myself to other believers, to other Christians. So I do think it's important. I don't think it's a bad thing if we have mono-ethnic um, churches. Sometimes that churches should be made up of the community that are around them. Um, but also there are often times where uh, ethnic groups or people groups need a church that they can speak their language in, that they can connect to, particularly if you're in a, um, in a society where there's not many of you. So it can be really important. It's not that it should never happen. It's just that you have to be aware that there are believers that are different from you, and that's okay too. Next question. Uh, in fact, this lady at the back was first, and then I'll come to you. Yeah, nice and loud. So the question was the Ministry of Reconciliation. That means... Uh, yeah, reconciling the two or the, whatever groups that are, had hostility and the, um, what can you as young people or we as everybody do to do that? Um, I think, I do think that building relationships with the other is is a really important first step and genuine genuine relationships. Like, I, I didn't have a genuine white friend until I was probably in my 20s. Like, a, but a genuine friend, not a, not a church friend or a work friend, but a, a person that I'm like, I, I'm, I'm going to call you in my time of need. And, and, and that helped me personally with the breaking down of the wall of hostility. Because if I love my friend and my friend is of another to me, then that's the first step that I can start to to take so building genuine relationships that with people that are different from you is is a hundred percent a really really important thing to do do that in a really be it you have to be intentional you do have to be intentional but also uh, don't go up to someone and be like can you be my black friend that that isn't don't do that <laughs> do you know what i mean but you have to be in the, the the flip side of it is that you do have to be intentional it is far easier for me to make friends with black women 
very easy. I could, I can talk. We can spark up a conversation just like that. There's a sisterhood, yeah, and it's it's all good. I have to be far more intentional to make relationship with people like Joe. Gosh, man. <laughs> but no, you, do you see what I mean? I have to be intentional about it. I will naturally gravitate to people who are like me. If I want to be inten- if I want to break that thing, and I have to be intentional about being in relationship with people who aren't like me. Mm, that's brilliant. Thanks, Roya. Yeah, there's a, oh, there, was, there, was a, there was a lady here. Yeah, and then we'll go... go yeah. So... Oh. Yeah, yeah, the question is, how do you balance... When people make comments... Maybe sometimes it's ignorance, people making ignorant comments or, or, or kind of behaviour. How do you balance? You don't just want to brush it off. Uh, but, you know, you want to educate. How do you kind of find the balance in doing all of that? Um, I think relationship helps. So being in relationship with people that you're talking to helps. Um, I think talking about how comments or issues affect you personally um help also because i think sometimes things can be quite abstract they're like this these words are here and and if you are able to articulate okay this is how this affects me personally these are the reasons why again (laughs) everyone doesn't need to always be going around explaining why they're hurt about something because that just is that's also exhausting but if you're in relationship with people and you are saying to them look this type of language or these types of ideas they actually make me feel like this because of this and these are the reasons if we're in relationship then that is something to consider yeah so that's how i i would i would go about it i also will say i'm not here to pull up everybody that's not my uh, do you know what i mean if if we have a very surface relationship and you say something that's slightly uh, to be honest, I'm not here to pull up every single... I'm not the racism police. I'm not doing that. Because that's exhausting, right? It's not, it's not something that I want to spend my life doing. And I'm, I'm just going to let it go. Yeah, so I w- those are the kind of the balance. That I would really good. We've probably got time for one more question. And I, this lady here's hand I saw first, so... That's a great question. So the question is, how do we make people more aware of microaggressions? Uh, people might not even be aware of some of those things. So why don't you just tell everyone what maybe microaggressions are and then uh, answer. Anyone heard of the term microaggression? Yeah? Okay. So a microaggression um, means like a very subtle behavior um, towards another person or people um, that isn't like saying a rude word or, or something like that or isn't like jeering someone on or something like that. it's not like that it's it's a very subtle um like maybe oh a look or a or a holding of the bag when they walk past or a like moving away things like that subtle like like you could you could even say oh i wasn't i wasn't really i didn't i didn't do that because or and you and sometimes a lot of people don't even register that that is what they're doing um, the question was, how do you handle it, or how? Do... Yeah. So again, I'm gonna I'm gonna hark back to particularly relationship. If I am in relationship with people, and and the, I think it is, it is essential. Those are the people that I'm gonna talk to about it first. If I'm really in relationship, I'm gonna be like, you know, this is how this makes me feel when when I walk into a room 
and well I have to say is dismissed because I'm a woman or or it's not taken up or a guy says the same thing and they're like oh yeah that was good I'm like, I just said that and no one said that it was good like th- I'm gonna talk about it and, and I'm gonna but I'm I am gonna talk to the person that I'm in relationship with first and I think that that's a real key thing I think for I think for particularly people in um majority culture or dominant culture and in this case we are in Britain white people are 80% of the 87% of the people in this country and that's great I think educating yourself so that some of the what's the word um again I'm not the normal some of some of the subtle subtle things that say that my humanness is more important than somebody else's humanness is diminished and you it's something that you have to work on you can't just think oh it's it's just going to happen because I like people and I've got a black friend and I really like them no you you have to you have to do the work of unlearning stuff like I did I had to do the work of unlearning what my dad said about white people I did because if I didn't then I wouldn't be in the church I was in I wouldn't have the relationships I have now I have to be intentional about unlearning them and therefore now that I'm in relationship with people I can I can start to change my behavior the reality is though on a societal level racism has always been an issue it's it's sin so sin has always been an issue and sin will always be an issue and therefore racism will always be an issue and we we are always going to have to fight against it yeah we are always going to have to fight against it so I say all of those things to say that on this side of glory we will the fight will continue I don't know how it will it won't end necessarily but we will continue to fight just like we continue to fight against sin it won't be over on this side of the of heaven it will be over on the other side and and that is also a good reality to to think through when we're wanting to combat this thing yeah and that's brilliant I think we could probably take questions all afternoon, to be honest, because obviously it's a massive issue, and in an hour there's only so much you can do, or less than that, really. Uh, I think it's obviously a journey for a lot of people, uh, and we're continuing on it, and this is just a little step in that, really, in terms of people trying to make themselves more aware. Let's keep com- I mean, some of the truths that Freya share with us today are golden, you know, that Amargo Day stuff and what we share from Ephesians too. Um, but I think we, we all want to continue to... Um, to being grounded in those things. I thought thought what we'd do to close is, I'm going to ask for Freya to pray for us, but I'm going to ask us all just to stand because when it comes to the issues of of racism, there's also a lot of grace that's needed and we also need a lot of help from the Holy Spirit. Um, And so, you know, we need God's help to help us, to show us where we've, uh, the issues and the the things that where we've maybe uh, done wrong. We also need God's help for us to uh, love, continue to love one another. And so I'm going to ask Freya just to really, I guess, as we kind of come into close, uh, I'm sure that Fru is happy to stay around at the end and take questions if you want to come and chat with her or, or find out a little bit more. Uh, but I'm going to ask her just to really pray over us and pray for us and then as we kind of come to a close, we go for our lunch. So I'll hand over to Faria. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross. That 
through that sacrifice, we were able to be reconciled to God. Through that sacrifice, you sent your Holy Spirit to come to earth. And through that sacrifice, we were able to be reconciled to one another. We thank you. And Lord, we know that it is for your glory that we need to pursue this element of reconciliation. It is for your glory. It is so that the world, a world that is divided and polarized in many ways, can look to the church and say, wow, they're managing to do this thing. Lord, help us. Give us wisdom. Give us discernment. Help us to unlearn and take off the things that we have been learned whether through her or family or whatever lord i'm asking you that your grace that your holiness will help us in this fight against racism give us courage give us boldness give us wisdom oh lord and most importantly give us the love give us the love that you have poured out for us so that we can love others so that we can love others well. In Jesus' name, amen.